Please do sit down. Thanks. My name's Graham. I'm going to uh, be talking tonight. I'm one of the ministers here as well. And I wonder if you could turn in your Bibles to page 1001, 1001, which is the beginning of Mark's gospel, which is that section that Will just read to us. He read us part of uh, a bit later on. I wanted to take us from uh, the beginning. Let's pray. Father, we ask now that as we come and have a look at the Bible, which is your word to us, you'll help us to understand. Father, help us as we read these verses together and as we listen to what they mean, that you'll speak into our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have a look from verse 1, page 1001. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, or Christ, the Son of God. As it's written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore designer clothing. Wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. <coughs> Excuse me. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and Satan and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. One of the things that people are always saying is how many choices there are in life. It happens at school, doesn't it? You can make all kinds of choices about subjects you do. It happens at all kinds of stages in your life. Options that we have. I want to talk about one option tonight. I want to talk about what I want to call the Jesus option. You know, people talk about giving your life to Jesus, about following Jesus, about being a disciple of Jesus and that's what I want to talk about tonight. What does that mean to follow, to choose the Jesus option? What's it all about? And why should you think about it? Why should you take it seriously? And then 
How do you do it? How do you do the Jesus option? How do you make that choice to follow Jesus? So those are the three things I want to talk about tonight. What is the Jesus option? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? To choose him. Why should you do that? Why is that the most important question you need to ask? And three, how do you do it? Let's have a look at the first one. What is this Jesus option? I want you to notice that when Jesus comes on the scene, having been baptized, he has this kind of slogan. You know what politicians do? They will often have a kind of summary slogan. It's all about jobs, they say, or growth, or whatever it is. Jesus has a slogan for his ministry And there it is, as he turns up in verse 14, which is on page 1001, in sentence 14, he says, the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God. The Jesus option is all about the kingdom of God. Let me put it like this. What does that mean, the kingdom of God? Let me put it like this. We're all building our lives around something or someone. We all have someone or something. And it will vary, but we have things that are at the center of our life that we build our life around. If you like, we're building the kingdom of me. And to build the kingdom of me, it may be that you need to do really well at school so you can go to university, so you can get a really good career, so that you can buy a big house, so that you can have great holidays. We're all building the kingdom of me. The kingdom of God is about having Jesus at the center of your life. It's about your life being built around Jesus. And however successful you may be in your career, or at school, or at university, however many friends you get, at the center of your life is Jesus Christ. You say, what's that got to do with the kingdom of God? Well, do you notice what happens? In verse 14, Jesus proclaims, he announces the good news. And the good news is the kingdom of God. But if you look at verse 1, Mark begins this biography of Jesus saying the beginning of the, notice the phrase, what does it say? The good news about Jesus, the Messiah. The kingdom of God is all about Jesus. Choosing the Jesus option means I want Jesus at the center of my life. I want my life to be built around him. That's what it means to be in the kingdom of God. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. It's about people of all kinds of different ages and different backgrounds whose life, lives are built around Jesus. So that's the first thing. That's what it is. The Jesus option is about choosing to have Jesus at the center of your life. So why should you do that? There are all kinds of options for life. Why choose the Jesus option Why not choose some other? Let me give you three reasons. Number one, because there is nobody like Jesus. Absolutely nobody like Jesus. 
At the beginning of Mark's gospel, as this strange character appears in these designer clothes. You know, he's got these uh, strange things that he wears, and he has a strange diet. Have a look at it. He's wearing, verse 6, camel's hair, a leather belt, and eating locusts and wild honey. Just in case you're thinking, that was never designer wear, even in the first century, okay? That is just weird. But John comes with this echo from the past. And that's picked up right at the beginning, where there's this quotation from what we call the Old Testament. It's a promise that God gives where he says, one day I am going to turn up. The world's a mess. People are a mess. And I'm going to come and turn up. And I'm going to turn things around. And John, this strange character, comes on the scene. And he says, this is about to happen. Get ready for it. And he says, there's one who's coming after me who's more powerful than I am. Verse 7, I'm not worthy to stoop and untie his sandals. I baptize you with water, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And the the background to that is that promise that one day God will turn up. And here's the messenger who's saying, get ready. That promise is going to be fulfilled. And then who turns up? Well, have a look at the top of the next section in verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John. Do you get that connection? Nazareth was... It wasn't the best part, the equivalent of the best part of Sydney. It, it was a dodgy area. If you came from Nazareth, you didn't tell people you came from Nazareth. If you want, Nazareth, if you wanted people to take you seriously. So John's saying that God's going to turn up and the person who turns up is Jesus. And then immediately he goes out and confronts evil in the person of Satan. There is nobody like Jesus. You couldn't follow anybody who's as amazing and wonderful. You could never build your life around anybody or anything that's as extraordinary as Jesus. So why should you choose the Jesus option? Well, because you're going to be building your life around somebody or something. You will never, however successful you are, you'll never meet anybody. You'll never be able to build anybody around your life around anybody as amazing as Jesus Christ. He is extraordinary. And that's why you should consider the Jesus option and build your life around him. That's why. But, but there's a, a, another reason. If you, um, if you look at what happens, um, he talks about the kingdom of God. You know, God wants to open life up for us. He wants life to be full. He wants us to flourish as human beings. He cares about us. And we think, most of us, at some point anyway, we think if we've got the freedom to choose what we want, do the things we want to do, choose the things to do that we want to do, head after the things that are going to really please us, and maybe it's chase after career, Maybe it's chasing after pleasure. Maybe it's chasing after all kinds of things. If we've got the freedom to do what we want with our life, the freer we are, 
the better our life will be. That's how we think. But you know, your life will never be bigger than you are if you do that. Your life will never be bigger than you are and you are able to make your life. Do you know that? See, I think about it. Let me give you an example. You go to university and study. Well, you work hard at school first. So you can go to university and get a really good university place so that you can, and then, and then you, do, you work really hard at university so that you get a really good degree, so that you get a good career, so that you can get a great house, so that you can go on fantastic holidays, so that you have a fantastic life where you can buy big plasma screens and have a fantastic sound system and all kinds of stuff in your life. And it goes on and on and on, and then you die. That's what it is. That's all that you will have achieved. Life is only as big as you are, and you can make your life. Or, or, or take another example. Um, let's suppose you meet this amazing girl or guy, and, and you, you just think, you know, if that girl says yes to me or that guy says yes to me, that will make my life. And let's suppose he or she says yes to you and you think that's it. That's amazing. My life has all come together. And so you build your life around that relationship. And it's wonderful. Except you don't know everything about her or him. You don't know how she's going to turn out or he's going to turn out, and neither does he or she. See, we don't know what the future is, do we? We don't know what's going to happen. We're very limited in terms of our understanding. We don't know how circumstances will turn out. And so 5, 10, 15 years down the track, that relationship falls apart. And you've built your life around that relationship. And your life falls apart. Your life and mine, if we're building the kingdom of me, rather than building our life around Jesus Christ and being part of his kingdom, means that your life will never be bigger than you are able to make it. But the kingdom of God is as big as God is. It's as expansive as God is. It's as broad as God is. It doesn't come to an end. And so when you're drawn into the kingdom of God, when Jesus is at the center of your life, then life expands. Jesus once said something really extraordinary. He said, I have come that people might have a really, really boring, narrow existence. That's why I've come. I want people to have their freedom restricted. I want them to have a miserable time. He didn't say that, did he? That's what we think sometimes. If I follow Jesus, if I build my life around Jesus Christ, my life is going to be restricted and narrow. Absolutely not. Because to be part of the kingdom of God means that you're part of something that's as big and as expansive as God himself. And life begins to expand. And Jesus actually said, I have come that people might have life. And just in case you didn't get it, it's life to the full. Why should you choose the Jesus option? Because there's nobody like Jesus. Because 
Being part of the kingdom of God means that your life expands. You're part of something that's so much bigger than you are. And here's the third reason. Because God wants to do something with your life. He wants to do something with your life. He wants you to do something that's amazing and worthwhile. And he says, yes to. You notice in uh, verse 17, Jesus comes across these fishermen. And he calls them. And he says, come and I'll send you out to fish for people. Now, I take it that the reason he talks about fishing for people is because of what the text tells us. They are fishermen. I have no doubt that if he came across whatever the collective noun for accountants is, he would have used a different example. I've no idea what he would have said to accountants. I live with one, and I still don't know what to say to accountants. She's my wife, by the way. That's why he gives the example. Come, and I will send you out to fish for people. What's all that about? Does God not reckon fishing is a good thing to do with your life? Hates fishing? I don't think so. I mean, take another example. God doesn't think much of accountancy or banking or teaching or anything. Is that what he thinks? He doesn't like engineers or engineering? Or does it mean that God thinks people who become part of the kingdom of God, who build a life around Jesus, should give up fishing or accountancy or teaching or law or working in a checkout store? Well, clearly not. That would be absurd. And if that were actually the case, then the church has got it wrong. Christians have got that wrong for 2,000 years because most people have been engineers or teachers or working at home or doing all those kinds of things. And, you know, even the first followers of Jesus kept going back to fishing. Fishing's a good thing. It benefits people in that economy. Fish was food. Fishing is a really, really good thing. So what's all this about fishing for people? It goes like this. People matter to God. You matter to God. Every human being matters to God. And God wants people to be changed. He wants people to be brought into a relationship with him, to have their lives built around Jesus Christ. He wants their lives to flourish. He wants them to become part of the kingdom of God. And when people live lives centered around Jesus, God uses them to change the world because it's people who change things. Have you noticed people build bridges? People enact laws. People bring up their children to know and love the Lord Jesus. Have you noticed that? It's people who do things. And God cares about people, and he wants them to be brought into a relationship with Jesus Christ, to be part of the kingdom of God. And he will work through them to change the world. So here's the thing. What he's saying to these first people here when he calls them is he wants to use them to change people. 
Because God cares about people. That's what's going on here. He isn't saying you should give up even fishing. Notice he doesn't say give up fishing. He isn't saying give up that studying you're doing at school. Give up your university course. Give up your career. He is not saying that. He's saying I want you to be part of something that's bigger than fishing. Let let me put it another way. You can build your life around your career once you get a job. And you can make that the center of your life. So you could be an accountant. And Jesus is saying there's more to being an accountant than being an accountant. There's more to being a teacher than being a teacher. He's saying, you may be a teacher, you may be an accountant, you may be working in a shop, you may be doing all kinds of things. I want you to be part of something bigger as an accountant, as a teacher, as a whatever it is, whatever it is you're doing. I want you to be involved in changing people. Because when people are changed because they build their lives around Jesus Christ, that changes the world. You see, he's calling us to be part of something much bigger than ourselves, or much bigger even than our career. So, why should you choose the Jesus option? Well, who else are you going to build your life around? What else? There's nobody like Jesus Christ. God wants you to be part of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of me. Not because he wants to restrict us, but because the kingdom of God is as big as God himself. And he wants your life to count. So then, how do you choose the Jesus option? Notice what Jesus says. It sounds, it sounds very kind of religious, doesn't it? And a bit weird. Have a look at what he says. Verse 15, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. What are you to do? How do you join the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God? How do you choose the Jesus option, repent and believe? What does that mean, to repent and believe? What it means is it starts with you. Not anything that anybody can see, but deep within you. It's about making a decision. It's about making the most profound decision you'll ever make in your life. And as I said, nobody can see it. And it's choosing to say no to building the kingdom of me. Building around the things that I choose and I want that I think will make myself happy, make me happy. It's about building your life around Jesus Christ. So it's saying no to all the other things and building your life around Jesus Christ. So it begins with the heart. It begins with saying no to all those other things and saying yes to Jesus. You know, saying yes to Jesus, saying no to those things, and then saying yes to Jesus can be the hardest thing you'll ever do. The hardest thing you'll ever do. It sounds really simple, doesn't it? 
Which is why the next bit is so important. Repent and believe. Because the problem we all have is we deep down don't trust God. I've heard lots of people over the years say, I don't want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I don't want to choose the Jesus option because that will be boring. My life just won't be fun anymore. Jesus doesn't want me to enjoy myself. Everything to do with Christianity is narrow, restrictive. My life will just be boring and useless. See, we don't trust God. Because what does God say? I want you to be part of the kingdom of God that's as big as God himself. Jesus says, I've come that people might have life and life to the full. Our problem is we don't believe that. And that's why the belief is so important. It's the other side of the coin. Repent is saying no, and I'm turning away from that. Believe is saying, I am trusting Jesus. I'm trusting that if I give my life to Jesus Christ, he's worthy of my trust. And that my life will be drawn into something much bigger than myself. And it will be changed forever. What do you have to do to choose the Jesus option? Repent and believe. Say no and turn and put your trust in Jesus. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. So The Jesus option, what is it? It's having Jesus at the center of your life. Your life built around Jesus Christ. Why should you do it? Because Jesus is just amazing. Extraordinary. There's nobody like him. Because God calls us to be part of the kingdom of God. Where our life is expanded. And we begin to flourish and become the people God has made us to be. And he draws us to be part of something, to partner with him in changing the world because he cares about people. And your life will impact people and people will be changed for eternity because you've become a follower of Jesus Christ. And that matters more than anything else. At the end of the day, you may look back over your life and say, I've made all kinds of choices in my life. And do you know what I've ended up with? I've ended up with a big car and a big house and a fantastic family. But it won't last. The mortality rate is 100%. But if you've built your life around Jesus Christ, you may have all those things or you may not, but that won't be what matters. You've been called into something working. God calling you to work with him to change the world. And that will matter and be celebrated into eternity. So, what choice have you made? Have you already decided that you're going to choose the Jesus option? Or maybe you made a decision to choose the Jesus option and you're wondering if you made a good choice. You did. Stick with it. Next week we'll talk about how you can encourage each other to stick with it. Maybe you're thinking, 
I need to make that choice because I've never really done that. I may have been coming to church. I may have been saying that I believe all these things about Jesus, but I actually have never made that internal choice to choose Jesus. People may think I've said yes, but you see, repent and believe is something that happens inside, and only God knows about it and you know about it. If that's you, I want to encourage you tonight to say no to the kingdom of me. Yes, to the kingdom of God, of building your life around Jesus, and to trust him, trust your life to Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and let's be quiet for a moment. I'm just going to give you a moment to be quiet and you might simply want to reflect on what we've been thinking about. You might want to pray quietly. God hears internal prayers. You might want to say, I want to say no tonight to building my life around myself and the things I want and I want to say yes to Jesus Christ. Father, thank you that you know everything about us. That's a really scary thing for some of us, but actually it's a a really comforting thing. You know everything about us, and you care about us. And that invitation that Jesus made so long ago is the invitation for tonight as well. The kingdom of God is available to us. Repent and believe the good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.